0: Welcome to Pioneer Mindset, a place where we challenge our mindset and address the discomfort in both business and life by finding clarity resulting in bold conviction. I'm your host, Garrett Ruskamp, fifth generation farmer, husband, and father from rural Nebraska. Whether you're navigating frustration from past decisions or worry about the uncertainty you face today in your business, we're going to learn from our struggles and take on new challenges with a resilient mindset. Join me as I share my journey of struggles I faced in agriculture as a farmer and family man. I'm ready to dive into honest conversations to tackle the mindsets surrounding key issues that rural ag business owners face that will ultimately help you gain control leading to a profitable and sustainable business. Let's adapt upon your mindset and get to it. The topic for today's episode isn't necessarily a topic, it's more of a get to know me and how I got to where I am today. So a little bit of my background. Currently I am the fifth generation owner farm. Uh we live in northeast Nebraska. And I actually live on the home place uh where my great grandpa built built a farm, built the house. And uh, you know, my grandpa lived there, lived here, my dad lived here, and then you know, I, I lived elsewhere for my childhood, but then uh it was only about a mile away and had a perfect opportunity to move back into this place right after college. So that worked out about perfect. I uh, married uh, my high school sweetheart, Alan. We've got three healthy boys, Kip, Judd, and Rue, all about uh, two years apart, so pretty close in age, and it's a pretty wild household with uh, lots of energy, but it's it's also lots of fun as well. So, kind of going back a little bit further, high school, kind of a uh, group, ch- typical childhood. My dad helped on the farm, and you know he worked with my my uncle and my grandpa, and so, and we only lived a mile away, so I was involved as much as I could be. And that was always a really good experience growing up. And I just loved being out on the farm. So that was uh, something I, I enjoyed. And that's kind of what instilled my passion for farming early on. It was involved in 4AGE and FFA growing up where I, I kind of got a passion for showing livestock. And uh, that's kind of where my, uh, like I said, passion for the beef industry and for showing cattle and all that kind of really stemmed from. That's something that I could really kind of take ownership in and take pride in myself. So I was, I was very active in, like I said, 4-H and FFA, and we went to a lot of shows, and that was kind of just my thing. So I, I really enjoyed that, put a lot of time and effort into that. That's where I really feel like I learned a lot of my work ethic, and I learned a lot of that was also from, you know, my dad and my grandpa and watching them work and how hard they worked. And so that's, that's kind of where that came from college uh, I went to Northeast Community College I actually went for diesel tech that's something that I was really interested in learning and for me that was an opportunity that I felt like if I wanted to come back to farm I had to provide something to the farm and we didn't necessarily do our own mechanical work and so I felt like that was an area where I could help improve do our own mechanics and uh, kind of help provide value that way and basically uh, in order to get me back to the farm. Kind of through college and after college, I had started working for a neighbor who had a feed yard, and so I really, really enjoyed working for him. It was close, once again, only about a mile away. He had a row crop operation along with the feed yard, so I kind of got the best of both worlds. I got to help with the cattle and the daily chores and all that that involves in the feeding and. I I kind of enjoyed that stuff. And then I also got to help with the the row crops and out in the fields and doing everything that that entails. And so I, I really did enjoy that and was able to still help out on the farm because it was only a mile away and he was kind of flexible. And so I was still able to help out with our operation as much as I could. So kind of a little bit about our operation is, you know kind of the typical grandpa with his two sons, my dad and my uncle, diversified crops with livestock. We had row crops, your typical corn, soybeans, with some alfalfa, and we were covering probably about a thousand acres or so, and then we had, uh, you know, back in the day, we had hogs, you know, like everybody else in the operation, kind of around the area, you know, you you had your crops, but then you had your livestock to kind of diversify. We had hogs, and we were uh, decent-sized with the hogs, and probably back in the day, we were, I'd say about 150-ish sows, feral to finish. and then uh, we kind of transitioned out of that, oh, probably about 15 years ago and then went to more of just custom feeding with the buildings for structure that we had. And then over time, you know, the buildings that we had kind of aged out. We no longer use those, um, but they're still kind of a staple in our operation and definitely a staple in the past. I remember spending a lot of time in the hog barns growing up, especially the feral to finish. I still remember that pretty vividly. And then even, you know, when I was still in high school, we still had uh, the hogs that we were custom feeding. And so Getting up in the morning, sorting hogs, and going doing all that stuff before school—another area that uh, really affected my work ethic—and uh, it was it was always interesting times sorting hogs, if you know what I mean. Could be fun, but challenging all at the same time. Then we also still had our cow calf operation, just kind of something that we always had. I'm not really sure when that started or how that all came came to light, but we were running about 80, 80 cows, eighty mama cows, kind of your. Typical, I'd say, calve in April, run cows out on grass, and then in the fall they run out on stocks, and then at some point you wean and you do the whole process all over again, and it's uh, pretty pretty standard. Basically, we had, like I said, about eighty cows, enough for the pasture that we had. Getting into a little bit more recent years, uh, you know, then my grandpa passed away in 2013. That was actually the year that I was a senior, so that was that was kind of a pivotal moment because I, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa and. I had a really close relationship with him. The thing that uh, was interesting with him was, I'd say the, uh, you know, we were so close. I lived a mile away, so I was always with dad, always with grandpa, but it wasn't necessarily, I I don't want to say that we weren't super close, but it was always kind of a working relationship, which that was the only thing I grew up with. That's how, that's all I knew. And so I I got to work alongside with him probably more than any of my other cousins or any of my grandsons or daughter's. I was with him all the time. You know, I I remember he was just a good, hardworking guy. His phrase that my dad always says now is, grandpa said he would always rather wear out than rust out, meaning he always wanted to keep doing something. Ultimately, when he, he passed away kind of in February, and he ended up having cancer, but I think probably four months before that in that fall, I remember working alongside with him, picking up fence and doing different things out on the farm. And he was always out here as much as he could be, and still miss him quite a bit. But that uh, was kind of a—he was a big staple on this operation, how it uh, got started, and how we got to where we are today. As we move closer to where we are today, our operation, kind of uh, about the time that I was looking to come back after college, I was, like I said, really interested in cows because of the showing livestock and the, showing the cows and calves and the opportunity that I had. I tried to purchase my own cows. I bought a set of bred heifers. And that was kind of how I got my start into things. Prior to that, we were able to actually pick up a couple pastures locally. And so we were able to expand our cow herd a little bit. So, between expanding the cow herd from the pastures and then the bred heifers that I bought, you know, I only bought about 30 bred heifers, but at the time that was kind of a big step for me to kind of get started. But it kind of took our whole operation up to about 160 head of mama cows. That's kind of where we were. And that was a good size for us, but we were had kind of uh, bumped our calving actually up till about February, March time frame. Like anything else, that kind of brings to its own set of challenges when you're dealing with cold and then you get into March and you get into mud. And, and so we, we still kind of had some issues on the farm with calving and all that stuff. Ultimately, we're trying to find some sort of solution that would make it easier for us, make it better for the cows and the calves and the overall health of the calves, and that's, that's kind of when we started looking into building a hoop building. Looked into that for a couple of years, trying to find something that was just going to be overall better for just to, like I said, help keep calves alive and better calving experience and all that. Uh, eventually, we settled in 2016. We did kind of decide on a hoop building or style of hoop building that we wanted, and we went through with that. And that was more or less kind of a way to get me back to the operation. And that's that's at least how we structured it like I said, still working for the neighbor at the time, but it was uh, a way for us to expand and try to get me back. And so basically we, we put up a hoop building that was supposed to hold about 150 head of cows, you know, calving there, and then actually keep them in there as a confinement building. And at that time we had expanded our cow herd. Basically we uh, bought a set of fall cows. And so we were running two herds. The idea was so that we, we could, in that building and utilize it a little bit more to its fullest extent. So basically doubled our cow herd size and went from about 150-160 head of cows up to 300 head of cows. That was kind of our first big expansion. Calving twice a year, um, it was still my dad, my uncle, and then in 2016, that's when, like I said, when we expanded, that's when I decided to come back full-time to the farm. I was, like said so prior to that, I was still working for the neighbor, but Decided to come back and work full-time for the farm, and that was ultimately kind of the dream or the goal that where we wanted to get. But with all that, there came its its own set of challenges. We actually did expand again in 2018. The idea behind the second expansion was we had the hoop building, we had this fixed expense with this overhead calving twice a year, why not try to turn this a little bit more so we can get more out of it? run more cows through there and divide that fixed expense up between more cows. Basically, we added, uh, we expanded again and added a third group to the operation. Basically, went from 300 head to 450 head of cows and really doubled our, our herd. And like I said, within three, four, five years, we went from 150 head of cows up to 450 head of cows. And that was a pretty big jump for us. That was good. I mean, I was loving it. That's uh, what we enjoyed doing. I mean, it was a lot of work, but uh, that's, that was okay with me. And I was young and I was just learning how to go through with this experience. This hoop building was new and it was fun and to, to learn and try to see what we could do differently. And one of those things where the hoop building having 450 head of cows, it was new. It set you apart. You felt different and that felt good. And uh, that's all that really mattered at the time. That kind of brought, like I said, with all that expansion and that short of time frame, that brought its own set of challenges, financial challenges, that kind of really put us into a bind and uh, just the way that we expanded. And that was also the lull in the ag economy with the crops and the cattle markets. And all of that was pretty low. So we were struggling financially there to bring in extra income. And as you know, when you expand that way, and with the cow-calf operation, it takes time. It takes that 12 months minimum to kind of bring that income back into your to your bank account. So we had our, kind of our own set of challenges there. And then the other challenge that we had was because of those challenges financially, we were struggling. It kind of weighed on my uncle quite a bit, so he actually decided to leave the operation that was basically end of 2019 beginning of 2020 he had left the operation so that kind of put us in a bit of a bind for, for many reasons especially for the workload we had were basically going from three full-time guys down to to two definitely put a lot of strain on the labor side of things strain on me strain on dad but ultimately it you know for, for the long run it it was probably better for him better for us we were able to work through it kind of shifted our roles a little bit it didn't work out all too bad you know, as, as time progressed on we got into you know 2020 was covid that obviously was uh, an interesting year and then 21 we kind of moved into post covid 20 2021 was probably the best year that we had as far as crops goes we had good yields good prices coming off of or starting I guess the inflation following covid and uh, that was also you know as we really started to dive into our financials we had uh, decided to maybe, scale back on the cows a little bit. So we started kind of selling down on cows. And, you know, obviously when you have an asset like that, that you kind of sell back on, you can create a little bit of cash, a little bit of revenue. And that that helps in the short term anyways. So that was that was kind of the start of uh, a little bit better management, a little bit better decisions. And that was also kind of the start. Like I said, when, when my uncle left, he was the one that did a lot of the book work and saw a lot of the numbers. Yes, you know, my dad and I were involved, but We didn't uh, see a lot of that. And so when he had left, I had taken on the responsibility of kind of getting to know the numbers and trying to make better management decisions so we could avoid some of the things that we had dealt with in the past. So that was kind of, like I said, from 2020 on was really when I started taking over a lot of those decisions and really started owning all that and owning the seats that I was in to try to avoid some of those things. The other big thing that happened was as we progressed on, Got closer to now was in 2022. Uh, that was in May of 2022. We had a windstorm that actually came through, took out our hoop building, or I should say, it it rather messed up the arches to where uh, basically every arch in that building was compromised. So we had had a decision to make, and that was a big decision for us. Was ultimately we decided not to rebuild that, and there was many decisions that went into that, but we decided not to rebuild that, and part of that was to just put it bluntly is to take that uh, insurance settlement check to really help out our current financial position. And it did. It uh, really helped us out, kind of set us up for a little bit better success moving forward. As we are today, we get to 2023, 2024. The operation consists of me, my dad, and then my wife, Ellen. She's a big part of this. She does a lot of the book work and kind of keeps us on track and uh, helps in many ways that I can't even describe. But um, it's so it's me, Dad, Ellen, and then we continue to farm row crops, and we still have some cows, but we're actually in the process of um, selling down most of our cows. Uh, we've just kind of decreased our cows a little bit, tried to scale back to a, something that was a bit more manageable. And uh, the row crops consist of corn, soybeans. We've added wheat to the rotation. We still have alfalfa. We do a lot of with cover crops. And we're still covering about that thousand acres. We had dropped some, but then also picked some back up. That's kind of where we are today. And the whole reason I want to explain all this in the backstory is one, for you to get to know me, but two, to really explain that I've got the typical farmer mindset, or at least I did, that we all feel like most of us have as ag business owners, farmers, or ranchers is the identity piece. If you're a farmer, that is your identity. It just as well be on your license because that's just who you become. And a lot of times we adapt that mindset of this is who I am. I'm a farmer and this is what a farmer does and that's that. I guess one of the point I'm getting across is we get so stuck in our ways and this can be extremely challenging if you don't have anybody in your life that is open to new ideas or maybe You've got a dad or a granddad that's extremely well, this is how we did it, and this is how we're going to continue to do it. It can be hard to break free of that mindset. The other thing with being a farmer, especially getting started when you're young, you've kind of got this mentality that if you want to get started, you got to go into debt. You got to go buy a farm. You got to go buy equipment. You got to go buy cows. You got to take on all this debt to get started. And right or wrong, we'll work through that. But that's just the typical identity of a farmer, and you can't make money unless you spend money. That's what I was really trying to break through. The other thing is, I've always heard this growing up, and I'm sure you have also, is if you work hard, you'll make money. And we both know that today, that's not necessarily the case. And this was the mindset that my dad had, This and that was the mindset that his dad had. It just got passed down from him. And to be honest, it worked. And that's how they got to where they were today. We've always got these stories that somebody passed down from us. Well, back when hogs went to you know one dollar or whatever it was, we paid for that piece of ground in one year, and it's like, well, that's great. I'm glad it worked out that way for you. I mean, it set us up for quite a bit of success when they had that uh, luck and work ethic that they could work through and make a profit. But today, that's just not the case, and we gotta ultimately gotta work smarter rather than harder. I have uh, changed my mindset because of a lot of things that we've been through. I've changed my mindset to more of a pioneer mindset, takes a forward-thinking approach, explores new ideas and methods, and is constantly changing and adapting. And I feel like as we dive into a lot of these episodes and I really kind of share my experiences, I'm going to be explaining to you how I've done a lot of that. And it's been pivotal to me and where we are in our operation today that I've been able to adapt a forward-thinking approach, and explore new ideas and be open to new ideas, whatever they may be, in a constant search for something new and something better, and trying to adapt to the challenges that we're going to have. Because we are going to have challenges regardless of where we are in our operation. It's just a matter of adapting to those challenges and working through them. Like I said, I mentioned you work smarter, not harder. For us, as we were, we grew up, I just feel like we were always conditioned to work, 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 work. And so it's it's going to take time to, to really kind of change our mindset on this. Uh, but uh, that's, that's why we're here. And I look forward to continuing to sharing my experiences with you and the tools and resources that I have used. You too can have a pioneer mindset that, that leads towards a profitable and successful business. I really hope this uh, kind of explains my background and where we're going to be going in uh, these future episodes, and I look forward as you join me. Thanks for tagging along with me today as we sharpened our mindsets. If you've gained insight from today's episode, be sure to take a screenshot to share or send this episode to somebody who might also find value in it. For more, follow me on Instagram at GarrettRussCamp or on Facebook, and join me next time for more Conviction Through Clarity.